0: So, Welcome to Ask the Pioneer, a podcast where we explore cutting-edge technologies and groundbreaking innovations through conversations with thought leaders from various engineering industries. I'm Eliana, your host of today's episode, where we will dive into the world of automation and robotics by introducing you to an exciting new advancement in gearbox technology. Joining me today is Thibaut Frischor, and I hope I pronounced that in the best Dutch way possible.
1: <laughs> it was very good. It was very good.
0: Thank you. I tried. And um, he is head of Im Systems and also co-founder of the company, which aims for nothing less but to revolutionize the robotics industry. Thibault, it's great to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me here.
0: Sure. So before we actually talk about IM Systems and the company and what you do, I would like to talk a bit about your professional and educational background. Um, so first things first, how did you get interested in the field of engineering?
1: Yeah, so it's, um, it's a standard kind of story. Uh, my father was an engineer, okay. uh, mainly working in the automotive and aerospace in- engineering uh, backgrounds. Um, when I was a kid, he, al- he would always bring me to races, he would always bring me to conferences, you know, show me uh, the newest technology that's available on the market today and kind of the innovations for the future. Um, I grew up in a family of four kids, and I would say I'm the one of the four kids that's the most like my dad with regards to, you know, the interest in math and science. Right. Um, so he really inspired me to become an engineer, okay. um, you know, and, and from that from that passion, which I had for my dad and kind of, you know, intuitively, intuitively for myself, uh, kind of made me want to follow, you know, becoming an engineer. And that's why I ended up studying uh, aerospace engineering. Uh, so I got a bachelor's uh, degree in aerospace engineering, and then I followed up with a master's degree in aerospace engineering, uh, mainly focusing on propulsion. So uh, aircraft propulsion and, and rocket propulsion.
0: Okay, that sounds super technical and, and interesting. Um, so you mentioned you have a bachelor's and a master's degree in aerospace engineering. You're also half Dutch, half French, which you've told me earlier. Where did you study
1: Yeah, so I studied at uh, the Delft University of Technology here in the Netherlands. Uh, But before I went to the Delft University of Technology, I I lived all over the world. Uh, So like you said, I'm half French, half Dutch. um, And I lived in uh, the Netherlands, uh, Belgium, France, and in the US as well.
0: Wow. So all over the place. (laughs) Which country did you like best?
1: I get that question very often. And I would say it depends on what phase of your life you're in. Okay. Um, and right now, I would say that uh, being here in, in the Netherlands is, is is a very nice place to be. and and I, I really like enjoy living here at the moment. So I, w- I would say here.
0: Okay, <laughs> good. So after you graduated and finished your master's degree, what did you do afterwards?
1: So I actually founded the company during my master's degree. Oh, okay. uh, but I had a very um, interesting kind of decision I had to make during my master's degree. Um, so part of your master's, you had to follow an internship. And I decided to have an internship at SpaceX. Um, so I was uh, within the SpaceX. I was actually part of the team that designed a turbopump. Mm-hmm. So a turbopump is a system of a rocket motor that, you know, combines uh, the fuel and the liquid oxygen into the combustion chamber for the rocket to actually work.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. I was working part of that team um, to generate or create the next generation, let's say, rocket engines for their, their spacecrafts for the future.
0: Right, right.
1: Okay. Um, and during my internship, you know, at the end, you know, they asked me to come back. But I had to make a decision of, you know, do I continue my trajectory here, you know, within rocket science at SpaceX, right. or do I found the company together with the other co-founders and, and go into the field of robotics?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. And then you moved back to the Netherlands after your internship, and in 2016 you co-founded iM Systems. That is correct. Uh, which is a spin-off of the Technical University of Delft, together with three other guys, uh, namely Jack Schorsch, Rory. Dane and Matthew Covers. Yes. How did you guys meet?
1: Yeah so that's also an interesting story. Um, so during my master's degree um, I followed you know your traditional courses that you have in engineering aerospace engineering and I followed additional courses with regards to uh, business and entrepreneurship uh, and during that course you come into contact with multiple patents from the university And one of the patents was the patents that we are working on right now, uh, so the Archimedes drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, At that stage, it was, you know, just filed, uh, very early stage, uh, meant to be used, you know, mainly within the bionic limb prosthetic industry. Uh, But then we got in contact uh, with Jack, so the the inventor who is now the CEO of our company. Uh, got in contact with him, uh, worked together, you know, as a group uh, to really determine if there is a real market potential for this technology. Yeah. yeah. And we realized that, you know, it's not just prosthetics, but, you know, the high-tech industry as a whole uh, could really benefit from using the technology that was created.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... system as a company just tell us a little bit about it and what was your idea and kind of the yeah the vision behind the company yeah
1: so um, I'm systems uh, we are a deep tech hardware b2b company
0: okay
1: um so we are very much into the high-tech industry at the moment um, so when you're thinking about high-tech hardware the first thing that comes to mind is robotics uh, mm. also semiconductor manufacturing uh, medical equipment optical machines that kind of stuff uh, those are our customers and we sell our components to those customers yeah um so what we make at im systems it's called the archimedes drive and like you stated previously it's a it's a high precision gearbox or mm-hmm. transmission system mm-hmm. Uh, And this transmission system really allows these applications to perform a lot better than what they used to in the past.
0: Okay, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners, they don't have a technical background, they're not engineers, and they're not familiar with mechatronic systems, myself included. So uh, could you perhaps explain to us in simple terms what a gearbox is?
1: Of course. Uh, so let me take it back to, to the basics. Um, so a gearbox, you see everywhere. So you see it in cars, you see it in trains, you see it in wind turbines. But there are different types of gearboxes. So what we focus on are high precision gearboxes. And what makes it a high precision gearbox? It's uh, determined by how much play there is in the system. Um, so if, for example, you take a gearbox that's meant for a car, uh, there is a little bit of play in that gearbox, but that's no problem because it doesn't matter if a car moves a millimeter forward or backwards when it's standing still. Yeah. However, when you look at robotics or semiconductor manufacturing, when a robot arm moves a millimeter forward or backwards, that is a very big problem because mm-hmm. you have to manufacture something very precisely. Yeah, yeah. So we are in the world of very precise gearboxes, so okay. with no play whatsoever in the system.
0: What are some of the challenges in your kind of industry that you were trying or, yeah, that you're trying to solve with your Archimedes drive?
1: Yeah, so it's, that's also an interesting question. Mm. So our industry, uh, it's the high tech industry, uh, and we've been making very good progress within this industry within the last 50 years. Mm. Uh, but it's mainly been on a software perspective. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at hardware, so you're actually looking at the moving components within robotics, you know, within semiconductor equipment. Uh, that technology has remained the same for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're only using software to kind of fill in the gaps uh, that are left, you know, with the limitations of the hardware. And we see our technology as the real next step. Um, yeah. So, you know, to get a little bit more concrete about performance figures that we can do better than existing technologies. I was talking about the play in the system. Uh, for us, we're about five times more accurate than any technology that's available on the market. Okay. Um, well. Additionally, we can operate at much higher speeds. And we are much more efficient than anything available today, so we can really push the boundaries of let's the, say these high tech applications.
0: Right, right. You just said that in over fifty years, nobody else, no other researcher, no other engineer has made an effort into improving gearbox technology. Why is that?
1: So people have, okay. uh, but there's a very high barrier of entry from you know your initial idea to actually commercializing a product. Right. Uh, you know, 50 years is a long time, uh, but within the whole kind of gearbox history, it's quite short. And don't get me wrong, the invention that was invented 50 years ago is is a beautiful invention. Yeah, it allowed us to be able to drive a lunar buggy on the moon, for example, because right. it was used in the wheels of the lunar buggy. Yeah. So it kind of shows you, you know, how such an invention really pushes, you know, technology for mankind.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And within those last 50 years, that technology has kind of been optimized. So it's been really well optimized to be used within, you know, multiple high tech industries, but there hasn't really been anything new to kind of, you know, go over that initial technical barrier Mm. to really be able to compete with these technologies. Um, And that's kind of where we see ourselves. Um, So the thing is, is that, you know, all technologies that are used today are main, mainly founded on kind of using gears using gear teeth
0: yeah and i guess yeah. i can
1: kind of get into detail on why we're special
0: yeah
1: yeah um because our system does not use any gear teeth so it's kind of a very out-of-the-box idea uh, we use pre-compressed rolling cylinders to transmit torque
0: yeah
1: uh, and that allows us to completely eliminate gear teeth in the process okay and i think we're one of the first companies that really found a way to kind of crack the solution uh, because most of the play in the system, like I was talking about earlier, has to do with gear teeth and the play within the mesh of the gear teeth. And we don't have that.
0: Okay. So that means you use friction or what exactly? Okay.
1: Yeah. So our technology relies on what we call traction. Yep. Uh, so traction to transmit torque. Okay. Uh, it's very similar to kind of train wheels on a train track. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have the wheels, you have the weight of the train pushing on the train wheels, allowing there to be friction on the contact patch with the, the train tracks, yep. allowing the train to go forward we kind of use that, those same fundamental principles to make our technology work.
0: Okay, that sounds super interesting. Um, so I've read that gears or gearboxes, they are found in almost every machine and they come in different shapes and sizes. How how does the Archimedes drive look like? Is it big? Is it small? And, and I also read about something about a planetary. So how can I kind of like... Ha- how does it look like? Yeah. Explain it to me.
1: So um, the Archimedes drive comes in all shapes and sizes. Okay. Uh, so it's purely the working principle. Uh, so we can create anything from something that's, you know, 30 millimeters in diameter to anything that's about a meter and a half in diameter. Yeah. And that also depends on you, the, the torques that you can deliver with your system. Uh, when you look at our market, for example, robotics in specific uh, yeah. specifically, uh, you look at a typical industrial robot. So yeah. a robot that assembles the car in, in a production factory, for example. Right. Uh, it's made out of five to six joints. Yeah. And each joint requires an electric motor and a gearbox for that joint to work. Uh, and each joint also requires different specifications. So you usually supply a different gearbox for every joint of the robot. Okay. Um, so for us to be a real, you know, you know, large or successful company in the future, we have to have a whole product portfolio with different sizes mm, and different of torques.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. And like you started in 2016 with how many people and employees?
1: So we started with four founders. So the okay. the people that you named yep. uh, previously uh, and the early years of the company. So, you know, from 2016 uh, on to around 2019, we were very R&D focused. Okay. Uh, Like I said, initially, uh, there's a very high technical barrier of entry Mm. before you can even enter the market. So, you know, in the startup world, we talk about MVPs, Mm -hmm. Uh, some MVP barrier, you know, to actually have a physical product is is lower depending on industries. And for us, it's very, very high. Uh, because we not only have to prove that, you know, from a performance perspective, we're better. Yep. But we also have to prove from a durability perspective that we can meet the demands of, you know, the robotic systems that are out there in the world. Right. Uh, so that's something that we were very busy with, you know, the initial years of the company. Uh, we managed to prove it from a theoretical level. And then from there on, we turn into actually commercializing our product. And that's the phase that we're in right now. So we're taking the lessons that we learned. From, let's say our R&D gearboxes that we made mm. and we're slowly releasing uh, different sizes of gearboxes uh, to be released to the market.
0: Okay, so of course there are many different industries where you could apply the, the Archimedes drive. Uh, what are your main focus industries at the moment?
1: Like I said, the Archimedes Drive could be used in a multitude of different industries. Uh, Our main focus right now is robotics, Mm -hmm. uh, but you're also talking about, you know, semiconductor equipment, uh, medical equipment, optical machines, telescopes can even be used in the aerospace industry. So anything that requires something to be moved with very high precision.
0: Okay, so that's very, very versatile. And of course, that gives you a big, big opportunity to kind of penetrate different markets. You are correct. Okay, nice. So, of course, when we talk about robots, there has been some ongoing discussion. And now with the rise of AI that um, robots will, or in the future, will take over our jobs. And, uh, you know, there's a certain fear attached to that. Some other people say that, that automation is very important and kind of vital to compensate for the lack of skilled workers. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, so I, I get this question quite often, also mainly because we, we work in the robotics industry. Um, and what I say is that, you know, robots aren't going to take over jobs, but they're going to change jobs. Right. Uh, I see robotics like kind of how you could see the internet 20 years ago. It's still at a very early phase. But yes, you know, some processes will change because there is new technology that allows, you know, that process to be optimized. But more jobs are going to be created to be able to support those additional processes that are being autom- autom- automated. Yeah. Um, so I really see a change in that. Uh, mainly, right now, what the robotics industry is focusing on, it's what we call the three Ds. Um, mm-hmm. So, they're jobs that are dirty, dull, or dangerous, yeah. uh, jobs that no one wants to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we see a real big trend, you know, at least within this side of the world, that no one wants to do, you know, real industrial labor jobs anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, so, there's a very difficulty for at least companies to find people that could do those jobs, and robots is a good way to solve that problem. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of where we see ourselves, you know, kind of aiming for, at least within the robotics industry. Um, And if you start talking about a a macro level trend, so you're talking about, you know, onshoring, reshoring of of industry, you're talking about an aging population, you know, our constant need for better quality products that are more affordable and made faster. uh, And there are some things that you have to solve to be able to achieve those goals. And I see, you know, robotics as one of the key factors to be able to solve those problems.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, like, of course, there are many jobs that we don't want to do and they're just simply too too dangerous and, as you said, too dirty. So that's where robots come into play. Yes. Right. Talking about skills, what kind of skill set does one need if you want to pursue a career in the robotics industry?
1: So first of all, what I always say is you need to love technology and innovation. So that comes first. Uh, and that's the basis of everything. Uh, Then secondly, it's a multidisciplinary um, industry, Um, so you need to have experience in mechanical engineering, electrical engineering. You need to like to do programming as well, because to be able to control a robot, you need to know, you know, the basics of all that. Uh, Then on top of that, it's also very international. Um, So we have clients from all over the world, and you need to be able to work, you know, with different languages, different cultures, uh, trying to solve problems, not just within your country, but worldwide. Yeah, yeah. And the last is, you know, you need to be kind of forward thinking. Um, so, you know, the real big industry with robotics is the industry that hasn't been created yet. Um, so that's, you know, you need to be a person that can really see the potential of your systems in new industries uh, to really develop the technology further.
0: Okay, right. So, people who are interested in robots and say, "Hey, I'm System. It sounds like a really cool company to work for." What? Do you look in people like what kind of soft skills and and hard skills does uh, does one need if if he or she wants to work at, at im systems
1: so hard skills uh, like i said uh, engineering um so you need to have a, a, at least a basic understanding of you know the basics of engineering um so like i said mechanical electrical uh, have some basic understanding of programming uh, you need to be able to you know Work in multiple languages. Right. Uh, you need to be willing to travel. Uh, you need to be able to, you know, not just focus within, you know, your specific field at the company, but be able to see multiple, let's say, disciplines that we have in our in our in our company, and make sure that we all work together to reach the main goal. Yeah. Um, so it's a very kind of uh, a person that's very self motivated. Um, can let's say manage their work very well and has a clear goal of kind of where they want to go.
0: Okay. Nice. So are you currently hiring and looking for people?
1: We are always hiring and looking okay. for people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So make sure to check out their website for open positions. Um, right. So let's shift our fo- uh, focus to the future. You already touched upon some trends uh, in the automation and robotics um, yeah, industry. What are some of the new developments that we can expect in your field?
1: So robotics is kind of going in in multiple uh, trajectories. Um, I would say uh, the biggest trends that we see today, uh, the first is um, making it easier to work with robots. Um, So right now, you know, to be able to program a whole system within your factory, uh, you have to go through a specific code. Each supplier works with different software. And now there's a real push to making that a lot easier uh, to implement, let's say, automation within your, your industry. Uh, to really lower the initial barrier for customers. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, you know, what's really big nowadays, is they're called collaborative robots. Um, so they're robots that work alongside people. Uh, in the old days, you used to have, you know, a in typical industry It was divided into one section where you had robots working and one section where you had people working. Mm-hmm. But they never worked together. That's because a robot could not feel when it was making contact with someone. Right. Uh, and it would cause, you know, a large safety hazard if there was an incident. For example, a robot would hit someone on the factory floor. But now the next generation robots can actually feel uh, that it's pushing against someone. Um, okay. So you can have some sort of kind of organic environment where a human works alongside a robot to eventually create a better product. Okay. So that's that direction. Uh, to take it one step further, uh, then you're starting to see kind of an emergence of humanoid robots. So more like human-like robots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Boston Dynamics, of course, is a company that everyone knows. But you're also seeing companies like Tesla, for example, also yeah. releasing their first humanoid robots. Yeah. And that's kind of the real new big trend um, to really kind of free up, um, let's say, or to mimic kind of the lifelike behaviors of humans to mm. be able to you know, automate more tasks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and lastly, like, I would say another big trend uh, that you see in the industry, like everywhere else, is sustainability. And right. um, it used to be not as important in robotics, uh, mainly because if you look at industry, uh, you know, the biggest kind of unsustainable processes that were going on were not robotics. It was like a small part of the total energy that was used. Yeah. But now, you know, their customers, so the customers of our customers are fully optimizing uh, their manufacturing plants. That means that our or the robots need to be as energy efficient as possible as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Those are some three major trends that you just mentioned. Um, and it sounds like a very promising, yeah. It's like, it sounds like a very promising industry. And it's, it sounds like it's really cool to work in that kind of field. And uh, I guess no day is ever boring. So, um, speaking of, Boring, i kind of prepared a game that okay. i would like to play with you all right exciting um, it's called this or that okay so i will give you two options and you have to choose your preferred option so for example if i ask you summer or winter and you prefer summer then you would answer summer oops and i always uh, almost spilled my glass here <laughs> okay so are you ready i'm ready let's go okay work from home or work from the office
1: work from the office
0: okay Um, Hardware or software? Hardware. That was an obvious answer. (laughs) Continuous improvement or breakthrough innovation?
1: Breakthrough innovation.
0: Established business or startup environment? Startup environment. Education or experience? Experience. Specialist or generalist? Mm, Specialist. Speed or accuracy? Accuracy. Tesla or SpaceX? SpaceX. Okay. <laughs> well, I think you're kind of biased here. <laughs> and I knew you were going to answer <laughs> SpaceX. <laughs> right. Okay. So, great. I think that was the end of today's episode. Uh, thank you so much again for being on Ask the Pioneer podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on, on the show today.
1: Great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. So, thank you very much.
0: Cool. And, yeah, that concludes our episode on robotics and automation, and this promising new invention called the Archimedes Drive. Um, I, we hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Remember to subscribe to our podcast for more engaging episodes. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring.